You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Everyone's favorite time of the year is right around the corner. College football season. To celebrate DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app is putting new players in the center of the action with $200 in free bets instantly if you bet $1 or more on any college football game. Take advantage of this limited-time offer now. You heard right. DraftKings is giving all new players $200 in free bets instantly when you place a bet of $1 or more on any college football game, no matter what. Head to the DraftKings Sportsbook app now to check out all of the great promotions daily odds boost they are offering DraftKings Sportsbook is safe secure and reliable located right here in the United States so it's easy to deposit and withdraw your money at your convenience so download that DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use the promo code TBPN to receive $200 in free bets when you place a $1 bet on any college football game that's promo code TBPN to get your free $200 in free bets instantly for a limited time only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in Indiana, 1-800-9-WITH-IT. Now on to the show, folks. Well, well, well. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to your latest edition of the Ruler of the Court podcast. I am your host, Jason Jones of The Athletic, longtime King's Beat writer, uh, surveyor of all good foods around the country, hip-hop junkie, music junkie, pro wrestling nerd, whatever other adjective you want to throw with me. What's going on, everybody? Happy to be back with you, and I don't know if I should say this is the official podcast of your Summer League champion, Sacramento Kings. I guess that might be kind of condescending, you know, but I'm just messing with y'all, but yeah, back for the first time since the Kings uh, Tuesday night, simply annihilated the Boston Celtics 100-67 to win their second Summer League championship. And <laughs> I just have funny memories of the last time this happened because this was that was 2014, you know. So that's July of 2014, and you know what happened in December 2014? Michael Malone got fired. So <laughs> I just I'm like that ends up being the crowning achievement of the Malone era, 
largely because Malone's era didn't really get a chance to get started. It just kind of got abruptly ended. That being said, it was I must admit, it was fun to watch this Kings team in the Summer League. Saw them a few times in person. Then to see them uh, go ahead and just win by playing a lot of defense, which was insane just because, well, when's the last time you said a Kings team won with defense consistently? I mean, they've had stretches here and there, but the way they played brings about a lot of different things to discuss. I want to jump into some of those, kind of highlight my players to watch or players that stood out. And maybe some players you could see might have some things to work on. You know, but all in all, I thought it was a good effort, you know, like, you know, for them to go out there. I think it didn't definitely didn't hurt they had those two games in the California Classic. They lost them both, but, you know, to get two extra games going down there definitely didn't hurt. But then they figured some things out, you know, things fell their way, so to speak, and boom, here you are, and... Davion Mitchell was named the co-MVP of Summer League along with uh, Brooklyn's Cam Thomas. Davion makes the uh, All-Summer League first team. I thought they could have made some room for Lewis King on the first or second team. I think it was done by media vote. and I don't know who voted, but I definitely thought that Lewis King had a hell of a summer. You know, Lewis King was the MVP of the championship game. And that's got to at least get your second team, right? Well, I guess not because it didn't. But let's go ahead and dive right in. Let's start talking about some of what some of these players did in Summer League, what stood out, and what some guys need to maybe work on as we get ready for the regular season. But, you know, we're going to start with the obvious, the guy that everyone's talking about in Sacramento, Davion Mitchell who in his five games in Las Vegas averaged 10.8 points, 5.8 assists, and was generally just a menace <laughs> out there on the court. And his on-ball defense was just, you know, amazing the entire time. I mean, the last game against Boston, he pretty much put Peyton Pritchard in hell. <laughs> And, you know, it wasn't just Davion, obviously. You had, you know, if it goes a team effort when you can do that, you know, as Davion even pointed out, you know, guys helping off, you know, filling the gaps, making sure that things can't get by, all that type of stuff. But, yeah, Davion Mitchell set the, set the tone, set the pace up top with his defense, his ball pressure on, you know, just pretty much being a nuisance and irritant almost a bully up there you don't always hear that about a guy playing perimeter defense but in a lot of ways <laughs> excuse me but in a lot of ways Davion was a bully just pretty much had his you know did all he could to uh, frustrate a guy who you know recently you know in a pro-am game last weekend dropped 92 points and I know it's a pro-am game people are gonna say well what's the big deal Scoring 92 points in any type of organized game is still impressive. You know, yeah, you can say he's an NBA player going in pro-am. He should score a lot. Yeah, he should. But still, that's a lot of buckets to get. And important, you know, to uh, stat muse, um, Davion pretty much took away everything that uh, 
that Peyton wanted to do when he was being guarded by him. Shot two of six, four turnovers, missed all four of his threes when Davion was guarding him. And it just really set a a tone of we're going to just really pressure the hell out of you once you know, once the Kings fell down 12-2, they kind of got, you know, recalibrated, jumped back out there, and made things happen. Especially defensively, forced, you know, nearly 30 turnovers. I mean, it was, it, it, to me, it all starts with Davion. And if you're not defending as hard or close or nearly as hard as Davion Mitchell, you're going to stand out. And I think as he picked up his intensity and, Aggression on defense, it just carried over to the rest of the team, man. Those guys just had a had a had a ball just making life miserable. At one point the Kings were shooting about thirty percent and up twenty just because they were just forcing so many turnovers and playing the passing lanes, getting deflections, make you know, making boss take contested shots and made you wonder, can you just transplant the, the, the defensive spirit in these of these guys into the main roster? Uh, of course you can't do that, but the fact that Davion is one of the guys on the way is going to play a big part, I think, in why he's on the court a lot and force the coaching staff to make some decisions about how you use your three-guard lineups. You know, does Davion play in crunch time? I think this be, I think he has to just because he's of his defense, and he's shown he's more than serviceable offensively. He's not going to be a complete liability out there for you. And this run, I think, in Summer League just was uh, showcased his leadership. I mean, I wrote about that. The story ran Tuesday in The Athletic, or mostly Monday night, I believe. came out Monday night, ran on Tuesday, so it was out by Tuesday. But his leadership and work ethic it was legendary at Baylor, and I think it's going to continue in Sacramento. I mean, after the after the championship game, Bobby Jackson was saying uh, he, gonna have, he doesn't want to tell the kid not to work, but he has to maybe, you know, Kind of scale back some of those game day workouts that he likes to have, but he'd rather have a guy working too hard than not hard enough. And Davion's been that guy. You know, um, if you if you just read the box score, you see oh he shot about forty two percent. You would think he didn't have a good good run, but Davion's a clear example of a guy that, when assessing how he plays, you just can't read the box score. The box score may not tell the entire story. And this was the, you know, and the box score doesn't do justice to the disruption and havoc and hell that Davion Mitchell caused with his defense. And he believes that he can help bring that to Sacramento. He sees that as a challenge of turning the Kings from one of the worst defensive teams I've ever seen into a good defensive team. And I'll say this, and I believe I wrote it, but I'll say it again. If some way, somehow, the Sacramento Kings end up being a good defensive team, I'll say, hmm, top 15, that's top half of the league. And and if that happens largely due to Davion Mitchell, he gets he might just get my vote for rookie of the year. Because to do that, he would have to be so drastically important and shift the culture of Sacramento. And if that happens, the Kings, are, the Kings continue to score the way they've scored last year. Then add that if they get they get defense like that, they're a top ten team easily, definitely in the West. So that happens. I say just put Davion Mitchell's name on Rookie of the Year trophy. I don't care what anybody else does. Of course, it won't matter because if Cade Cunningham averages twenty, or Jalen Green averages twenty, you know something like that, 
they're going to get the award. But if there's a guy who's going to make a case that defense matters and an award, I think it's going to be Davion Mitchell. So that's my take on Davion. Next up, uh, another guy who I think could end up being a rotation player at some point this season, a guy who just based on the moves the Kings have made in the offseason, their lack of uh, experience or depth on the wing, Lewis King. Lewis King, like I said earlier, was the MVP of the championship game. Uh, 18 points. He had five steals in that game. You know, he averaged 14.6 points in Vegas, 4.2 rebounds, and an impressive 3.2 steals. Also, 2.4 assists. Pretty much, Lewis King did a little bit of everything. And it's six seven, kind of a rangy, lengthy athlete. He's some he's a little bit more of what the Kings need on the perimeter because right now you've got Mo Harkless, you got Harrison Barnes, and you got question marks. And I like Terrence Davis, but do you really want to go into a season where you really you're gonna ask Terrence Davis to guard a lot a lot of bigger wing players? He can, but I don't know if that's the game plan you wanna go in with. And Lewis is on a two-way deal, so he'll be playing in Stockton a lot. But I think you definitely got to look at some of the things he showed you know, in Vegas and wonder if that, that can translate to a regular NBA season. Just you know, the ability to, to score from the perimeter, to get it on, to create a shot, which the Kings sorely lack from the, on the wing, and also just the ability to be a defender. I mean, that wasn't something that... Lewis King was known for, you know, he's a former high school All-American, left Oregon, you know, after one season, kind of having trying to find his way via the G League, bouncing around a little. But if he can be a guy who can, you know, be switchable defensively, I think you have a guy who at some point could be in your rotation. I'm not saying to start the year, but you know, if he continues to build on what he showed, and as Davion Mitchell said, He's a dog, and I've mentioned this a million times, it feels like. The Kings need some dogs out there, and I think that alone, if he can bring that type of intensity to Sacramento, you've got to at least look at him at some point as being part of your rotation going forward. You know, during the season, you know, depending on how things fall, whether it be injuries, you make trades. All type of things could happen, but I think Lewis King showed, you know, a lot of growth. It's over, it's over the last couple of weeks, and I think that's going to be an important thing going forward with them. So I would definitely look look at him as a positive from the summer. Another guy, Jemias Ramsey. I, you know, you heard coming out of uh, Texas Tech after his. Uh, Freshman year in the Kings, took him in the second round. He was a guy who uh, could score, but we never got to see that. You know, he was injured during his rookie year. He played, you know, you know, played a little in, the, in that G, in the G League bubble, but you just really didn't get a chance to. I might have misspoke. I don't remember exactly what he did in the bubble if he was hurt, but you know, but you just didn't get it. You know, he didn't get a chance to play. And even going in the summer league, he was dealing with some injuries. After the game, Bobby Jackson revealed that they weren't even sure if uh, Jemias was going to play in summer league because he had some nagging injuries. But he comes out and averages 16.2 points and shows that 
he has kind of he has the ability to be a you know to be a three point shooter. I mean, he didn't shoot a great percentage in the summer league, but he showed he can be a scorer. He showed he can be. He's a strong guy. He can play through contact. He can be physical. Can score through contact. So he showed some good things. And he's another guy who you you know probably spent a lot of time in Stockton with Bobby Jackson and the G League team. But especially with this you know backup, especially with this crowded backcourt they've got, there's not really any minutes for him at this point with the with the big club. But you did see. Some reasons why the Kings liked him, just in terms of his ability to score. And as he got healthier and stronger over the course of the summer, summer leagues, I say, he definitely looked better and better. And you said, okay, that's a guy right there who at some point can help a team. And I think that's going to be to their benefit at some point. And I, I, you know, like I said, it was definitely enjoyable to watch his kind of his growth, his development. Over the course of, you know, the five games, then remember he, when he when he came back for the California Classic in that second game, he hadn't practiced. He, didn't, he looked like a guy who hadn't practiced. You know, having, having trouble holding on to the ball. Looked really out of sorts, but by the end, he looked like a guy where you said, "Okay, I can see, you know, what they might like about him, or what they do like about him." And I think he definitely, you know showed well for himself in the summer league and i look forward to seeing what he does you know in stockton and maybe eventually with the kings next i will look at chemesi metu you know he's uh had half of his uh deal for next season guaranteed and looking at the king's front court in terms of their bigs you know we know they can use rashawn holmes as a guy who's switchable but outside of that they don't really have a you know We'll see what happens with Tristan Thompson defensively, but they don't really have another like long rangey athletic big man who can go out there and guard the perimeter and shoot from the three. And Chemezi showed that he he could do a little bit of that. So to me that's another promising sign for the Kings going forward. Yeah, he Chemezi missed the uh championship game. He was suspended for his uh you know, throwing that punch or forearm or whatever it was against Dallas in the game before. But I think Mezzi's a guy the team definitely likes, is intrigued with him, what he can possibly add. He looks stronger than he did last season. He looks more confident in his three-point shot. To me, all that bodes well for him going forward. And we'll see what he makes of that. But he's definitely a guy who I think, you know, did well for himself. He averaged 10 points. 6.8 rebounds, even two and a half assists. So he was doing a little bit of everything, you know. They were putting almost one block a game, you know. Two steals a game. You know, really, he was all over the place as well. And the Kings just need more guys who you can say, man, he's all over the place, especially defensively. So he's a guy I think he also had a, you know, a, a good, I thought that I thought he had a good summer. You know, you know, coming off the Olympics, playing for Nigeria in the Olympics. I just think this has been a big, you know, a good, you know, moment of time of growth for uh, Chemezi as he gets ready for training camp, where he's not coming in as a guy that's hoping to earn a you know a chance. You know, he's he's guaranteed at least you know half his deal, and maybe he can make you know the most of that. And seeing how that goes. 
And now I kind of want to look at some of the guys who, you know, probably won't, you know, who will most definitely be in Reno as well, but maybe don't have a, won't be in the rotation just yet. Or maybe doesn't have as good a chance to be in the rotation. Uh, I start with the uh, big man second round pick. Uh, guys call him Nimi. You know, you know, Kata. You know, he said you can call him Nimius or, or Nimi. Well, I'll let you decide that on your own. But no, he he was a. I say, I mean, for the most part, I would say he was a. You know, he was okay. He did. You know, he wasn't. You no, know, summer league is always tough on a big man. First off. Summer League is never easy on a big man just because, well, it's, it's, not, it's not really a <laughs> a format designed to highlight what a big man is doing. It's really, a, you know, a lot of times the the little guys dominate what's going on. And to me, he averaged, Kata averaged five points, shot 50% from the field. You know, but he, uh. Uh, averaged one block, which you would expect from a guy who was, uh, you know, the Mountain West Defensive Player of the Year more than once. You know, grabbed uh, 4.6 rebounds a game, and he looked like a, you know, like you like I said, you would expect a big guy who's still learning. You know, you can see where he'll need some work offensively as he continues to develop, and but you see that the, his size. His length defensively at some point could be a factor, you know, down the road. But he's a guy who's, you know, signed a two-way deal who will be spending a lot of time with Bobby down in Stockton. And I'll be curious to see just how he continues to grow and develop because the Kings have a lot of bigs on the roster now, yeah. But, you know, Alex Lennon won't be around in four or five years. You know, you're not going to have Tristan Thompson on your team in four or five years. And, you know... Kata could develop into a guy who would at least be a backup to Rashawn Holmes starting out, and then from there you see that you know it's he's not there yet, but I think you saw some good signs from him. But he's gonna he's gonna need some time, some work to develop, and that's gonna be where the Stockton Kings come in and play a big role. And uh, another guy I wanted to touch on before we transition, Robert Woodard, the second. He had a miserable start to summer league. I mean, it was he just did not look good. Shot wasn't falling. You know, he's dribbling the ball, looking, you know, not looking very good dribbling the ball, you know, on top of that. <laughs> but he ended up shooting 45%, you know, or 40 basically 40, basically 46% in his five games. But it, uh, there were times out there where he looked like he was really struggling to figure out, you know, what he needed to do or wanted to do. You know, average, you know, 5.4 points, uh, 5.2 rebounds, which is good. You know, a guy that size with that type of weight room strength should be able to get, you know, hit the boards. But what's going to help him long term is his ability to knock down an outside shot with some consistency it's kind of figure out what you know what the kings and what he does best out there that was you know there were times where it looked like he was comfortable other times like he wasn't so he's a guy I definitely expecting to be playing a lot you know in stockton as well and maybe you know as he develops and grows and you know matures as a player he's another guy you can drop into the rotation at some point but 
Like you know, I think he finished way better, looked much better at the end than he did at the start. At the start, even going back to the California Classic, it was a struggle for for Robert. And I know he's a guy a lot of fans wanted to see last year. I remember people even tweeting at me, basically saying that Luke Walton and the staff were screwing up by not playing him. I, I think we know that that's not the case <laughs> after you know the way he played in the. Uh, Summer League, but I also believe that he's got a chance to, you know, be down in Stockton. You know, Bobby Jackson has known him for, you know, about a, you know, about a year now. Or by the time the season has started, it'll be a year. He's got a chance to figure some stuff out. Still a young player. He only played, you know, he didn't, you know, it wasn't like he was a senior when he came out of school. So still a young player. Still got a chance to develop. And I think he's also a guy who dealt with injuries last season. So as you get through the injury bug... As a lot of these guys go through, you know, so now, you know, at least a lot of the Kings young guys last year dealt with injuries. You know, you, you, I think you'll see him continue to develop and we'll see what happens from there. You know, a lot of second round picks don't become stars, don't become starters, don't become rotation players. They end up being second round picks who you heard about. So not going to put a cap on his uh, potential, but I'm also not going to. You know, do like some people do and pretend like Robert Woodard or any young player in this situation is going to come in and save the franchise. So, that's my summer league wrap. At least in terms of the players, we'll have more to touch on going forward about summer league. Kind of the post-summer league look in terms of what the Kings roster looks like now. Who they have. What holes they still need to fill. Can some of these guys help fill them? Like I mentioned, I think Lewis King can help, you know, at some point probably fill fill part of the gap in terms of the uh, wing depth. But we got some time to figure that out. You know, training camp not to the end of September, and rightfully so, some of us are going to take a chill. So, before we get, get up out of here, I wanted to hit on some music. You know, you know me and my hip-hop. Been listening to a lot of my '90s hip hop R and you know, R and B lately. Don't know why. I just that's just the way the the mix came up on the uh, on the uh, my streaming my streaming platform. But I did something on Twitter that I thought was interesting. It was a collection of albums, like three album runs, and there was uh, kind of looking at who had the best three album run you know was it Nas's first three albums was it Kendrick was it Outkast you know a lot of good you know a lot of good submissions you know who just jumped out of there with their first three you know I you know and interesting at least for Kendrick on there they included section 80 and a lot of people don't include section 80 as Kendrick's debut they go to good kid mad city and I think if you go, if you start with Good Kid, Mad City, then go to Pimple Butterfly, then go to Damn. I don't know many people who can touch that three album run to, you know, to start. Especially if you consider Good Kid, Mad City his, his actual studio debut. That's a, I mean, arguably you could say that's three classic albums to start a career. I don't know many people who can touch that. And I look at it say. Uh, an Ice Cube with uh, America's Most Wanted. If you maybe if you if you if you if you skip Kill It Will and say it's an EP, you know, and then you go to Death Certificate. If you go if you go straight out of Compton, America's Most Wanted Death Certificate. 
that's a pretty untouchable run. Of course, Outkast's first three albums, you say, yeah, that's a hell of a run. I mean, they had they had a lot of people on there. That, you know, I don't know if I would, go, you know, yeah, yeah, they had a whole lot. Of course, I'm a little biased toward my favorites. And then I also got to consider in terms of production, Dre had a hell of a run as well. You no. Know, if he go if you go from NWA to the Chronic to Doggy Style, that's also a, a run of you say classic, classic, classic. So I mean, there's a lot of ways you can go with this. I'll be interested to hear what you guys think. Who you think had the best three album run in hip hop history? Unfortunately, we never got a third album from Biggie because obviously he would be in that that conversation. Yeah, he would definitely be up there because unless you want to consider a double disc, two albums. For the purposes of this, I don't. But yeah, I'm curious to see what you what, you know you know what all of you think. You know, so I saw somebody tweet maybe the Roots should be in there for a three album run. You know, Kanye. You know, he's another. I, I mentioned Kendrick about three classics to start. Kanye's right up there too with the drop. You know. You know, college dropout, you know, late registration, graduate, you know, that's a that's a hell of a three album run. And you can kind of even take with Kanye, shift it around and start with different three albums and take a three album group. And if you end it with, you know, my dark and twisted, beautiful fantasy and then just go back to that works, too. I mean, Kanye, ha you know, has a has a hell of a catalog. I don't know if, where you put Jay in, because to me. Jay's greatness is in the overall quality. Some of his albums, you'd be like, eh. I had some songs I skipped, not just because, I mean. So, I mean, I don't know where you would put Jay with that. It's just, I mean, there's a lot to look at in terms of three album runs. And maybe I'll compile a list where it's four albums. Maybe that'll, you know, thin out the competition. Maybe three is too narrow. <laughs> but there's a whole lot to look at in the hip-hop world when it comes to that, so. I'd be curious to hear what some of you think about that. You know, I've always said that I think in terms of a run, Ice Cube might have had one of the greatest five album, you know, five year stretches when you start with NWA and end with uh, Lethal Injection. One of the best runs of all time. You know, DMX had one of the greatest run. You know, DMX, you know, in terms of a, a quick run right up there. Eminem had a hell of a run. So, a lot to look at, a lot to consider. Uh, hit me up on the socials. I'll drop them at the end, which is damn near near the end of this anyway. But let me know what you think. Who had the greatest three album run? Maybe we can go to R&B. You know, maybe just drop Michael Jackson in there and kill everybody's run. But it is what it is. So, I will bid you. I don't know if I bid you would do or whatever, whatever I do. But I'm going to get up out of here now. Talked your ear off about the Kings. Rambled about music. You know how we do up here at the Ruler of the Court. You know, brought to you by the Basketball Podcast Network. With some help for DraftKings. Y'all know what to do with that. Go on there. Sign up. Make your little money. You know, you know, place your little wages on your college football. I won't be betting on my college football team. Because I'm kind of jaded about betting. Just because, well, hey. 
I never know what I'm going to get from my teams. You know, especially my you know, Cal, Cal football. Depends on if we have a quarterback or not. But when our quarterback is healthy, when Chase is out there, we feel good. When he's not, not so much. So we'll see. But again, on Twitter, I'm at Mr. Underscore Jason Jones. I'm Mr. Jones LBC on Instagram. This is Jason Jones again, giving you the latest and the greatest edition of the basketball podcast from the bat. Oh, excuse me, from the basketball podcast network. This is the Rule of the Court podcast hosted by yours truly you all be safe out there i'll catch you next week i'm out